Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce. Served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. This episode of Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce is brought to you by Brannigan, Inc. For nearly two decades, Brannigan, Inc. has energized brands in the entertainment industry, helping fairs and festivals connect with audiences. Their creative, results-driven marketing approach drives attendance and makes communications fun. Check them out at BranniganInc.com. Also, this episode is brought to you by Spectrum Weather Insurance. Spectrum Weather Insurance provides a variety of rain, heat, severe weather, and event cancellation insurance customized for your specific event. They have the experience and expertise that hundreds of events rely on each year. Visit them at SpectrumWeatherInsurance.com. was the other hurdle my i always love to incorporate my family as much as possible when i walked over Times square my sister was a part and there's mm-hmm. the story of the accident that happened and how she kind of overcame that, that well was i awesome. decided mm-hmm. yeah thank you so i decided i would involve my um my wife would be able to do a stunt she she's an amazing aerialist herself she holds two world records under helicopters one mm-hmm. hanging by her teeth about 400 feet up under a helicopter and we were the plan was to have a helicopter fly over that volcano she was going to break her own world record so she'd be about 2000 feet over that lava but perform mm-hmm. under a helicopter hang by her teeth it's something that's been done in fairs for for a long time probably 30 40 years are these stunts under helicopters but we started doing this, this something i started on a discovery series that i filmed years ago but she broke my world record and i mm-hmm. thought you know this would be cool it's great to spotlight her and help build her brand she's uh, you know, a mother of three, a 23 year old, she looks like she's 18 still and just amazing in amazing shape and just an amazing performer. So uh, the night before during rehearsals, the helicopter tried to take off and could not get off the ground because the wind was so bad. Mm-hmm. So the night before at about eight o'clock, I'm at dinner with my family and I get a call from the executive producer and he says, Hey, I need to talk to you. I knew something was wrong. He comes back. One of my best friends who was kind of oversaw the helicopter part um, came back and he's pale. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, well, we're not going to, we're going to have to cancel the helicopter stunt. It's like, what do you mean? You're going to have to cancel the helicopter stunt. It was something that I worked on. This was right around the time where, where Kobe had lost his life in a helicopter. Mm. So the network was extremely gun shy. It took like Mm. an act of God for me to convince them to allow her to do this stunt. Finally got through that. It was about two and a half months after that, but it was around that time. So helicopters were a big no-no at the time. It was too windy for the helicopter to take off. It was too, too dangerous. It's twofold. My wife now, who was so excited about this opportunity, is not going to be able to perform. And the winds are so strong that the helicopter can't take off yet. I got to walk from point A to point B with winds that are too strong for a helicopter, but I'm on a wire the size of a nickel. So and a boy. Yeah. So now I'm dealing with ma- that mental stress. This is within 24. This is actually, no, this is we're, we're filming. This was around 10 o'clock at night. And we, we went on the air at, at, uh, at seven o'clock. Um, central. So I tell my wife, my wife's in tears, she's heartbroken, et cetera. And I'm like, but there's gotta be a way. I always find a way, no matter what, I'll find a way for, for, to, to work things out. And in the TV world, they're very, very 
risk averse, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, so they're like no last minute changes. It's e- it's either in or it's out, that sort of thing. So I love the challenges, as I mentioned, the logistical mm-hmm. challenges, the convincing, you know, talking to the network executives, talking to the president, a vice president of ABC at 11 o'clock at night, days before reached out, remember my wife just being in tears. And she's like, I guess I just got to be humble. It wasn't meant to be whatever. In order to fix those stabilizer cables, they had to put this, this other cable above the wire. And they used that cable to fix the table stabilizers of cables. And I, I saw them do that. Uh, I came up with a method to fix why they were, why they were breaking and they went and did that. But um, I decided that I was going to rig my wife's Lyra rather than on her helicopter on this cable. So she'd still be able to go out over the lava and perform, but just not under helicopter. Mm. We went out at six in the morning, all day we were there, literally all day. And then finally we're able to, and, and convince the network to allow her to do it. So went back, took a shower. On the way back, my phone rang, the president called me uh, to, to tell me that he was thinking about me and, and wish me good luck, which mm-hmm. was pretty amazing when the that president calls your cell phone. Um, but uh, have you ever called it? Have you ever called that number back? <laughs> I yeah no it's a it's it definitely wasn't a number that uh, that was traceable. Oh okay, it's uh, <laughs> a one way only. One yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, anyways, got there and walked, and and she was able to perform. I was able to perform, but it was just another another stress. It seems like every one of these walks, there's always issues leading up to it, and I think that's where I have been able to excel is to be able to stay calm in those situations. Mm-hmm. That is um, that is the key to what I do is just that inner dialogue, controlling that, staying calm in stressful situations. The stress becomes leading up to these specials becomes overwhelming to the point where, especially early on in my career for these specials, because I'm so hands-on with rigging, I'm an executive producer. I'm, um, you know, I'm doing interviews like crazy. Plus I'm training. Um, it, it feels like there's a million pounds on my chest. I mean, there's a feeling, a physical feeling of a, million, of a lot of weight on my chest, being able to overcome that. And I think that's why I've been blessed to have so many of these opportunities and they continue to come. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to dovetail off your helicopter because it seems like in our podcast, when he, when we have been interviewing people, somehow a lot of helicopters come up in their stories. <laughs> one of our good friends that we interviewed in season one is Tony Conway. Yep. I don't know. Has he ever told you his helicopter story? He is, he is not. No, but oh, I mean, oh, next time. <laughs> All, all I have to say, Nick, is just mention the great zucchini and okay, we'll you give you, he actually kind of did a little helicopter stunt at a yeah. fair one nice. year. It had to do with um, a cannon? Did it have to do with a cannon? Nope. It's okay. just a helicopter and a bet with some artists and okay. he's hey. the great zucchini. So you'll have to ask him about that. All right. That. Yeah. I will definitely um, ask him. But another thing, you mentioned that the only person that is going to stop you from making your walk is your dad. Yep. Has that ever happened? It is. He's, he, he's made me postpone my walk by, by a few minutes, not by a long amount of time. So if lightning is in the area, just like an, uh, any fair, just like any amusement park, you shut down, you know, you're not going to go on rides, you got a public safety. So same sort of regulations go with me walking the wire. Obviously if there's lightning within 10 miles, it's 15 minutes from a strike, etc. cetera. Uh, same sort of parameters. So he stopped me for that um, because again, I just get in such a zone. The hardest part is waiting. 
you know, the hardest part of these, of these TV specials is I got to wait till they say go. And it's not always when I want it to be. It's not always when it says in the script, I'm going to go because I get to such a point where I'm, I'm walking through a fire. I, 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 I visualize a backdraft in the movie where they're all the firefighters coming out of the fire. Mm -hmm. That's just like for me, in fact, that was one of my visions for Niagara Falls with the fog was, you know, I wanted to disappear in the fog and, and actually Canada, there's about 135,000 people on the shores. When I walk, they couldn't see me for a large part of my walk because I was in that, that heavy mist. But, um, I, again, I get to such a point where I'm going now leading up to that, you know, if my wife, my kids said, Hey, I don't feel comfortable about this. I don't want you to do it. It would suck, but I wouldn't do it. Uh, out of respect for them because God, God forbid, if they asked me not to, and something did happen, I would have to, well, I may not live, but they would go, I tried to tell my dad and he didn't listen to me. So far, they've always been, I've always been able to convince them that I can do it safely and successfully. And part of, part of convincing my family, my parents, my, my children, my, my wife is getting on that wire. Remember you talked about Chicago, which, which was before that, that mm -hmm. walk at the fair, walking blindfolded and my wife not, not being comfortable with that. And, and I said, look, come in the backyard. There's a wire two feet off the ground. And it's about 45 feet long. I'm going to put on a blindfold. I'm going to put on headphones and listen to music. So I can't hear any surroundings and knock me off. And that was her, that was her. And when she got there and went, wow, I can't knock him off that built up her confidence to go, okay, it's going to take a lot to get you off this wire. I'm comfortable now. Um, but that is, that is a part of my training is as much for them as it is for me, of course, my safety and, and all that's important, but it's for their peace of mind as well. When you talk about some of these places that you have done these fantastic, breathtaking walks, the volcano, the Grand Canyon. In my mind, you walking the wire, that is outstanding. It's challenging. It's risk-taking, all of that. But then you look at it, when you're setting up the rigging, oh, yeah. that's a whole nother. I mean, those are some behind-the-scenes, unsung heroes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, mm -hmm. Like, like you telling everybody, okay, we're going to set up this rigging <laughs> in yeah. a volcano. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I say it all the time. I do a lot of corporate speaking and I talk about how, you know, the team is almost more important than, than, you know, the leader. People see me walking across the wire, but they don't see the 10 days of guys working 14 hours a day, wearing their gas masks, hanging over that volcanic crater to get that wire up a lot of my job is convincing the rigging teams. In fact, we had, we had a rigging team back out that was supposed mm -hmm. to do it because they were like, we can't, it's too dangerous. So it is certainly now, of course they're harnessed, et cetera, but it don't matter. You're on the edge of a caldera that's 1800 feet deep that leads to lava. It's yeah. dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> so they, those guys are putting themselves at risk obviously as, as much or, or more than me at times. Yeah. I mean, my hat's off to my team. I could not do what I do without my team. It is, it is all about them. And I always try to respect that in my specials. And I try to highlight how the rigging works, et cetera. For one, people are fascinated with it, but again, these guys are, these guys are paving the road, if you will, laying out the wire. It's mm -hmm. my road anyway, um, in order for me to, to accomplish these dreams and these goals. So there is, there's a lot of danger, uh, Praise God, there's never been any, any serious injuries in any of my TV specials. We do take safety, as funny as that sounds, as a key priority for every step of the way. In fact, we, we will lay out 
sort of a playbook of rigging from, from step one to, you know, A to Z and it lays everything out and they literally go page by page. Okay. We're going to do this now. Okay. We're going to do this now. But if there's ever an issue uh, I've always told my, my, my team, if it means the special doesn't happen and you're safe, then guess what? The special doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't care at that point. And it's the same when, when we walk the wire, when I'm on the wire with my team doing a seven person pyramid is, Hey, if there's a point where you don't feel comfortable, there's no heroes that do what we do. I don't care if there's 10,000 people in that arena, guess what? We don't feel comfortable. We're not getting on that wire to do that. We're not walking across in that pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has to be verbalized and vocalized. In fact, I make it a point, in, in, including the time that, that we fell actually, where I, I look, make eye contact with every individual in that pyramid and say, are you good? And they have to verbally respond to me and say, I'm good. They all sort of have their own words that they say, but mm-hmm. I know every one of them are good. And then I'll get on the wire because it's, it's my safety as much as, as anyone's. With your big walks, some of them I've noticed you're tethered with mm-hmm. a harness and some you're not. What is yeah. the deciding factor on that? The network. So oh, really? Okay. if it's ever, if it's ever up to me, I won't wear a tether or harness. My family hasn't done that. I've trained my whole life to hold the wire. I have amazing rescue teams that put their lives, would put their lives at risk that train that are ready to get to me if they have to. Mm-hmm. That's what happened when that pyramid fell in 2018. I fell, I caught the wire, I held on. I was able to climb back in for that. Um, but, um, so if it's my choice, I don't wear a tether. Um, I think it takes away from it. It certainly adds stress to me because my concern is that it could cause me to fall. Uh, One of my biggest fears for Niagara Falls was that that tether was going to get caught up and trip me. That was the first walk I'd ever done with a tether in my life. And it was only brought on by the network about two and a half weeks prior to that walk. So I'd trained, prepared, I was ready to go. I was doing a walk in Baltimore at the Inner Harbor and about three quarters of the way up, I walked from the land to a crane on a barge. My great grandfather had walked over the Inner Harbor and I thought it'd be cool to to pay tribute to him, but I always try to make it my own. And I said, instead of walking over it, I'm gonna walk from a low point uphill, but I want a crane on a barge. So it's actually moving as I'm walking. Three quarter, it was live. I think it was live on Good Morning America and ABC was my network partner for, for Niagara Falls. Three quarters of the way up, I had a buddy that was at the top that was gonna take my balancing pole. And I was like, hey, do you wanna see a bunch of people scream? And he knew what I was meaning. And he said, yeah. So I acted like I was gonna fall. It worked, everybody screamed, but so did the president of ABC. And we, <laughs> we got a phone call. My managers got a phone call. Uh, Bruce, you know, Winston, one of my managers, yes. he got a phone call before I even got off the wire. It was from ABC saying that they were gonna cancel my special because that scared them so much. I mean, within minutes, that was only two and a half weeks before we convinced them to allow me to do it, to still air it, but I would have to wear a tether. And in, I remember the meeting with, with the uh, president of entertainment. No, I'm sorry. The president of news, because news division, that was for the news division at ABC. Basically, he sat me down in the green room and he goes, look, if you take this tether off, I'll lose my job. You cannot take this tether off. It, it, will, it will ruin my, my, my career. So that was the first time I wore a tether, but it was, it was extremely stressful. And then, um, then I walked over Grand Canyon without a tether. Discovery Channel was able to convince them to allow me to do it without. Chicago broke two world records. So one- nice. 600 feet up blindfolded between two skyscrapers without a tether. Uh, and then the steepest incline, which was for a Guinness world record. And then the last couple specials with ABC and, and they required it. Now I would tell you with my sister in times square, I kind of felt it was important just because of what she'd gone through. She didn't want to wear a tether. I wanted her to, I felt like it was irresponsible for me to allow her to walk with, I know that sounds selfish, but, um, and in order for her to walk, I would have had to anyways, but I, I wore, I would have worn one just out of respect for her. Mm-hmm. 
I'll tell you the biggest challenge of that walk was when we crossed over each other, we had to switch tethers and, and it got tripped up and I had to reach between my leg and clip into her. And that was a, a big challenge mm. of that walk was the tether. It caused mm. a challenge for the volcano. The tether was off to my left about, it started about 20 feet off and then it went out 40 feet or vice versa, but it was way to one side. So if something were to happen, I would have swung way over. And my concern there was that it was going to get tight and actually pull me off the wire to the side. So often that, you know, the tether people think it would make you more relaxed, but it, it doesn't, it just stresses me out because mm. it's just not the form that I've walked for so long. So I'm, I'm in the process of negotiating, negotiating a new TV special with a new network. And, um, you know, part of the requirements actually I've told my agents is to figure out a way to do it without a tether. So mm -hmm. this day and age, it's tough. You know, uh, there are so many, I walked over a NASCAR race and I had to wear a tether halfway because it was over people. I've walked, you know, I've walked places where I've had to wear tethers. Um, I've walked places. Well, in fact, I walked recently at, at, uh, at a place uh, in Legoland where they, they had me wear a tether and it got caught. Uh, mm -hmm. It almost caused me to fall about a hundred feet out. I just took it off. At that point, it was my safety. So I unclipped and walked the, the other 500 feet without it. And, you know, they freaked out until I got to the other side safely and, and then, okay, great. Everything's fine. We don't have to worry about it. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just part of what we do this day and age. People are so concerned about lawsuits and, and, you know, again, we sign releases and waivers and have the greatest insurance you could imagine. Mm -hmm. um, but still there's some places that say, nope, we still want that. And then others were able to, uh, I walked over, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the fair in New York. And they actually, we built a net that was on a rolling cage and it kind of rolled along with me. I mean, I don't, mm. I, I sure as heck wouldn't want to fall in it. That's for sure. <laughs> but it, it was enough to, at least they felt like I was safe and it kind of rolled underneath. So at least mm -hmm. I didn't have to be tethered. It was a cleaner look at least, mm -hmm. but um, the Erie, Erie County fair is what it mm. was actually. Mm. But uh, yeah. Nick, you have so much gear there's one piece of equipment. If you could share with us the story, and you you told me a little bit about this, so I wanted to bring this up. But one of the most important pieces that you use to do these walks are your shoes. Yeah, that's right. That's a good question. So my uh, shoes are basically an Indian moccasin that formed to my feet, and they have a uh, suede or an elk skin leather bottom. They're very, very thin, the bottom, so that I can feel the wire through the shoes, which is important. The reason why we use elk skin is over the years, we've learned that the material actually, when it gets wet, actually grips the wire rather than become slippery. So, uh, but what makes them extremely special to me is the fact that my mom makes those. So every walk that I've ever done, my mom has made the shoes for. So there is, um, you know, for one, it's special because my mom makes them, but you know, my mom is the one who taught me what I do. My mom is the Walenda. My father married into it. Um, of course, I carry on her name because of, of you know, the notoriety of it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, she was walking the wire when she was six months pregnant with me. Not only is, you know, we've been, we've had that connection forever. So mm -hmm. it is very cool to have those shoes uh, and shoes that she makes. They do change often. Um, I recently had, was training. I like to train in them for about six months before I wear them for an actual walk. And actually for the Legoland walk that I most recently did, they ripped out and I had to use a brand new pair, which I hate doing, um, but it's pretty cool. She actually sews um, like words of encouragement inside of the shoes as well. Mm -hmm. 
So that's as cool. I'm putting that's them awesome. on, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll either be like a Bible verse or they'll say never give up or whatever. Um, cool. But just to make them even more special. Yeah. yeah. Eat your vegetables. Yeah. yeah right. Stuff exactly. like that. Enjoy the snack. Exactly. Yeah. So you have a, so then is it a new pair for each walk? That's it is not. It is. Okay. So for my big, for my big walks. Yes. In fact, I got the, the, let me grab them. Um, oh, I can see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are, uh, they still have pieces of the rust, so I don't want to move them too much, but these are the volcano shoes. Oh, so you see the rust. Oh, on yeah. There? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so these are the shoes that I wore for that walk. So what I'll do is I'll train for that walk in these shoes and then wear the same shoes when okay. I walk. It's uh, it's pretty special that a, that she makes them and, and, you know, I grew up wearing those shoes. So, um, you know, she's, she's constantly making me new pairs. And I've got, I mean, she's very, very talented. So I've got boots that are different colors and she just, you know, she's always making something cool and something fun mm-hmm. to wear. So before your walks, Nick, what are you eating before a walk catering wise? I mean, are sure. you eating, you know, like jelly donuts or yeah. whatever on the other side of that coin, what kind of like pre-walk rituals do you have, if any? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as far as food goes, generally on a walk day, I, I eat very little, but if anything, it'll be like fruit and yogurt, just nothing, nothing heavy, um, nothing too special. Sometimes a power bar, if I feel like, you know, I don't have a lot of energy, but, uh, and I drink a lot of water, but, mm-hmm. um, as far as pre-walk rituals, really, I don't have one. I mean, I do say a prayer with my team and my family mm-hmm. before I get on the wire. It's something that we do. I do it every morning, every day with my family, whether we're performing or not, but it is something that we do before every walk. Um, but other than that, it's, it's really, again, it is life. It is what we do. It is, you know, most, not most, I shouldn't say, but a lot of entertainers, they, they haven't hit the stage till they're you know, 21, 22, 25, Mm -hmm. some of them, whenever they, you know, get to that point. But for me, it is, so they have rituals like, okay, well I do this, this, or or athletes are the same way for me. It's hard to describe it, but it it is just life. Like walking the wire is life. So that's why I can talk when I'm on the wire. That's why I can pretty much function normal. That's why I can uh, just get on the wire and go, you know, if, the other thing that, that people often are fascinated with is, okay, so, you know, how many months do you need before a walk? Well, I can tell you if, if the Florida state fair called me tomorrow, I could walk the next day. I mean, it's because I do it no matter what I'm still training. I get mm-hmm. on the wire every day, whether I have a gig or not, etc. So because of that, and it happened a lot younger, I mean, it, it would be a call from variety attractions and George Moffat, and they would be like, Hey, we had someone back out. Can you be here in three days? And guess what? <laughs> we would load up the truck and hook up to the RV and, and head North. That was just mm-hmm. the way it was often. So um, because of that, again, it's not a lot of people think it does now. Now these big walks do take time and a lot of it just has to do with logistics, you know, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Nicaragua, we had a crew of 600 people over there. I mean, we bring in a whole city wow. from the U S over there mm-hmm. um, production crews. And, and, and uh, we, we literally build a city. We paved a six mile long road and put in a parking lot and I at the grand Canyon. Uh, it's now a tourist visitor area that we put in. It was part of the, you know, part of the process of, okay, we'll allow you to do it, but here's mm-hmm. what, you know, here's what we want in return. Um, we needed it anyways. We needed the infrastructure. So there's a lot, you know, there's a lot that goes into those bigger walks, but um, I say bigger, you know, a, a, the length could still be the same. The height, could, if, if the, if everything's there that we need, we, we can make it happen quick. As, as Bruce mentioned, I have a warehouse. In fact, I'm, I'm currently building a 25,000 square foot warehouse uh, to house all my equipment because it's just, we keep growing out of spaces. And I'm like, okay, let's just, let's just build our own and be done with it. So. Mm-hmm. 
How long does it take? You, you talk about, you just brought up that point about people ask you, well, how long does it take for you to do a walk and train for it and all of that? What about the other side? How long does it take for you to come out of a large mm. walk? Just yeah, like emotionally, from it. you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. it's almost like a post-walk depression or yeah. whatever it is. I mean, I tell you what, that would probably happen a post, a post-walk depression because it is such a, there's so much leading up to it. There's so much stress. There's so much drama. There's so much excitement. Uh, most of them are dreams of mine that I've had for many, many years, uh, you know, years and years in the making, I'm always working on the next thing. So because of that, before I even do that walk, I'm already on to the next one. Um, you know, okay. when I'm, when I'm, when I'm planning a walk or for instance, at the Milwaukee state fair, I already knew what was going to happen. My, my team was already briefed on how loadout was going to go before I even got on the wire. So I'm already on to the next thing immediately. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. this truck's going here and, and you're going here, that sort of thing. So um, I'm, I'm uh, because of that, I think it's sort of a blessing, but I'm, I'm just, I'm always planning the next thing. I'm always mm -hmm. working on three or four because, because there, there's so much that goes into permitting and, you know, look, the president of Nicaragua had to sign off on that walk over there because of that. I have to work on three or four more in order to, you never know when they're going to happen. You know, I, I'm, uh, for instance, I will go pitch TV networks and I'll pitch them four, but in no particular order, because mm -hmm. I don't know how long is it going to take the, you know, the mayor of New York city to sign off on closing down Times square mm -hmm. and, and rigging this wire. Mm -hmm. um, how long is it going to take for the president of Nicaragua to agree to allow to do this? How long is it going to take for governor Cuomo to sign a law for Niagara Falls? So I'm just always, I'm always thinking a couple steps ahead. Um, just because that's who I am. I'm just very driven person. And, and uh, you know, it's almost done before it starts. So I would tell you, you know, the moment I get off that, that wire, there's a, a, a there's about a, a second of relief. And then mm -hmm. it goes back to that crew because I don't sleep until the crew is back at the hotel after everything's mm -hmm. loaded out mm -hmm. because they're just as much, they're, they're as important to me as I am to me. Again, that that is when I can sort of take the big breath of like, Okay. Cause they're, they're risking their lives now for the next three days as this thing has to, you know, I say three days for these big walks. Normally it's, you know, as, as you know, it takes an hour and a half to take a, you know, 1600 foot walk down at, you know, at, yeah. a, at a certain location, but it is, uh, it is, it is then that I can sort of relax, but, but already working on the next one, you know, mm -hmm. already a lot of times I've already shot promos for the next walk before I even complete this one. What's at the top of Nick Walenda's list. Mm -hmm. As far as Man, it's a, it's like a long the list. ultimate, the yeah. ultimate walk, is it? Yeah. And, and I was thinking of this while you were talking is I've been watching this. I've always been a fan of space, you know, yes. Apollos and all that. Mm -hmm. And I've been watching this uh, space show on Apple TV, mm -hmm. um, a walk on the moon. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, space, space is absolutely something that I've, I'm working on, um, you know, awesome. In um it is somewhere that we're looking um i'm like with, i'm like i know my mouth is like i'm like jaws i know right justine now, like, is like looking at me like where are you and then nick's like yes, yes man, I am. sure 
Yeah, I feel yeah, better so now. Yeah, so it's 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 it is somewhere that that um, that I'm focused on because there's never been a stunt done in outer space. So so that is certainly an area that I'm looking. There there's a long laundry list. Um, mm-hmm. Everything from the pyramids in Egypt to um, oh, yeah, um, I would love to walk over uh, the House of Parliament in in London just because mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. gorgeous area from Big Ben to to another tower. So that's something that I'm working on right now. Uh, was working on pre-pandemic, but still focused on a bit. Uh, you know, one of my one of my next walks will probably be walking from a building that is detonated to explode, and I've got to get to the other the next skyscraper oh, over before it goes off. Oh, uh, so okay. it'll be time. So it'll be a race. I'll have to get there before. So it already, you know, and got whatever sixty seconds, and it's already oh going. It's going to implode. Who's um, pressing that button? So probably my, it's our- probably my wife. <laughs> <laughs> No, I but, didn't press it yet. You're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Keep going. No, but Slow you, down. I mean, you had me at space because uh, I, I yeah, yeah, it's I, I would tell you the biggest yeah. challenge now is so what's the biggest walk, the biggest dream? Well, it's Niagara Falls. Well, it's the Grand Canyon. It's, you know, mm-hmm. so it's a volcano, active volcano. Those are like, it's hard to top what I do, what I've mm-hmm. done. So how do you, t- how do you go further? How do you, I mean, outer space is, is really the next step. And then you have nothing. So, you know, again, it's, it's those one-liners, you know, of Nick Willen is going to walk in outer space. Nick Willen is going to walk over Niagara Falls, the Grand King. It's, it's tricky though, to continue to, um, to push myself. Uh, And, and, and I have really high standards for myself. And I think that's the issue because Times Square to me was like, eh, I don't know. And I wanted to walk between, um, uh, a couple skyscrapers in New York city for empire state building, um, to the Chrysler building. So that's like, that's like thousand eighteen hundred feet up, etc. Um, so when we started working on that, Times Square was something that that my the network really wanted, and I was sort of like, eh, I don't know, is it? To me, I thought the audience was going to hate it. It was going to be boring. Mm-hmm. It ended up being a huge success. The ratings were high. The network was thrilled. So I look at it. I, I have a very jaded view on things. So I'm always pushing for space, whereas everybody else is going, well, no, that's pretty amazing. If you, you know, if you walk, you know, escape from Alcatraz on a wire, those sort of things. Sure. Which is another one on my list. So you said, you know, on the wire is, you know, kind of you're peaceful and you lived on it and that's, that's life, right? The wire is life. Did you ever have a time where you kind of had to overcome like the height thing because you're saying like oh you know i'm 1400 whatever above i'm like okay what you're doing is incredible in itself but like you look down and like don't look down (laughs) because it's high it's like yeah yeah so it's again what i would say is uh, i keep going back to the internal dialogue and how important that is the wire is the same if i train on a wire that's rigged you know similar which is what we do we simulate what i'm going to experience um the wire is the same, whether I'm in my backyard, 10 feet higher or, or 5,000 feet or in outer space, the wire doesn't change. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the environment around me that changes. So, um, I do a lot of visualization to prepare for that. Um, and I've always been very successful that until that accident in 18, which is where I caught that wire and I wasn't physically armed, but I was definitely mentally injured mm-hmm. and I didn't even know it. And I, I got on the wire like my family does. Show must go on, never give up. I got on the wire and performed for the next six weeks straight, including the day after while my sister and my aunt and three others were in the hospital, not knowing that that my sister would even survive. She was in a coma. Mm-hmm. But um, I got on the wire and, and kept performing and then took some time off. And it was during that time that I started. I, I say that negative thoughts 
are kind of like, um, or thoughts of fear, like a weed growing in your garden. And if you don't pull that weed out immediately, it'll spread seeds and germinate and take over the garden. Well, it's a great analogy for the way our minds work. If, if we allow those negative thoughts to start to take root, uh, and don't counter them. In other words, when I get hit with 43 mile an hour gust of wind over the Grand Canyon, I can go, you walked in 90, you're fine. Don't worry about it. If I, if I don't do that, if I don't practice that, it will eventually take over my mind. And that's what happened with that accident is I s went back on the wire after those six weeks to retrain for that, a similar pyramid, seven person pyramid. And as I was walking, I started watching that pyramid collapse in front of me over mm -hmm. and over again, PTSD. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to the point where I was physically trembling on the wire and it was debilitating to the point where I went to my wife and said, never again, I'm done, I'm not performing anymore. And, uh, and the book was a culmination of that. It was the, that conversation, which sort of led to, well, your family's done this for 200 years and live by the show must go on. And you do what you do to inspire people and you sign every autograph, never give up. She's mm -hmm. like, you're not giving up. That's not you. Mm -hmm. You just forgot who you were. And the book is the story of how I remember, basically remembered who I was mm -hmm. and started practicing what I've been preaching for so long to other people on how to overcome their fears, whether it be fear of, you know, pursuing, uh, you know, climbing Mount Everest or, or running a marathon or, or pursuing your dream job, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, and that's sort of what I had to start practicing was, and, and, the, and the book is that, is, is just that of like, you know, hey, if I can do it, so can you. Mm -hmm. With all of the people that you've met over the years, you know, a lot of people look up to you, uh, never give up. Other than your family, who has inspired you? Look, I would say early on in my life, one of my biggest inspirations was outside of family was Michael Jordan. And I know that's probably almost a generic answer for someone who grew up, you know, born in, in the late seventies, et cetera, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. but just his drive and his stamina and his passion. And, and I sort of always looked up to that. I, I currently have like five or 600 different Michael Jordan cards. I, as a kid started collecting them and, and I still have them all. And, mm -hmm. and um, it, he just always inspired me because of that drive. And, and mm -hmm. I, I always look to athletes and said, if, if, he can make that much for bouncing a basketball, then I should be able to make this much and be compensated likewise to risk my life and do something that very few people in the world can do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was sort of my drive throughout my, my adulthood as, as you know, my mom and dad were pushing me away from it saying, there's no future. I was going, no, there's a future. We can make real money doing this. We just got to do it a little different. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but Michael Jordan was certainly one of those. And then, you know, look, there, there are always, you know, there are always people in the entertainment world, like Michael Cole, who's an amazing and an, an amazing producer. Um, uh, Arnie Granite is another one from the Midwest. And just these guys have, have um, always just inspired me that to take risks outside of walking the wire, which is what these guys do day in and day out. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, and just caused me to be very creative in what I do. Um, but but yeah, I mean, again, there's so many people that have been influential, but from a distance, you know, not necessarily mm -hmm. somebody that I have a, a personal relationship with, but I've always, mm -hmm. you know, taken tidbits from people that I, that I meet and, uh, and kind of use that as inspiration. Mm -hmm. I mean, you say these athletes, but I mean, you're in that category. I always saw it that way. People always saw, you know, we were circus performers. So I, my dream was always to be in Sports Illustrated and I've now had three two page spreads in Sports Illustrated, which is like surreal to me. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Mm -hmm. Right on the centerfold of the walks that I've done. So, but yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with you. Um, and I've always tried to paint that picture to the audience, to my fan mm -hmm. base of that. Yeah. I mean, we're athletes just like 
you know, just like an athlete, we, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we train our bodies and circus performers are the prime athletes. They are, they are, they've dedicated their lives just like a lot of these, you know, Olympians have, uh, to their art. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's, there's a lot of physical, I mean, there's a lot of aches and pains that come with what we do. I know I was training in the gym, uh, this morning and my knee is hurting and, you know, my elbow and my, my Achilles is hurting now. Yeah. And my trainer's like, why do you always hurt your feet? Yeah. <laughs> always saying that. I'm like, well, I think I've used them quite a bit. So, yeah. Right. So you are human. I am definitely. <laughs> <laughs> what is maybe the, the oddest or weirdest request you've ever gotten from a fan. Hey, Nick, you know, we're real big fans of yours and we would like to get married on the wire uh, yeah. or something like that. Have you ever gotten some strange requests yeah, like that? Sort of. I mean, there's definitely, there's, there's a fair amount of creepy requests that come in. Um, <laughs> okay. We want to hear those. Yeah. Like, let's hear like, those. <laughs> just like, I think every celebrity deals with, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I proposed to my wife on a wire. So that relates to, to, oh, uh, there, you go. there we go. To, okay. To getting married on the wire. Yeah. But uh, I, I would say, Hmm, that's a tough one. I mean, you know, people of course want you to sign every part of their body you can imagine. Um, so, so that like happens what? quite a bit, um, <laughs> but, um, I've got a rule that I just don't sign skin. So I have a simple answer. Sorry. I don't sign skin. Good rule. That's good, a rule. good rule. Good rule. Yeah. Unless you can let me tattoo you, I won't sign you. Right. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I can't think of anything that is, that is like too crazy. I, I, I love requests from, or, or ideas from fans, you know, of, Hey, you should think about walking over this or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I love getting those cause it, it keeps, it gets my, you know, creative juices flowing mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So I'm always, always inviting and welcoming that for sure. And, and of course, you know, look, I've, I've walked a wire over people's mansions before in their backyard because they want it for their 50th birthday or whatever. So, so, oh, you know, you do a little bit of everything. That's what I should do this year. Maybe. What are you doing in June? There you go. <laughs> See you then. <laughs> it's great when we can just talk with you and have a conversation and not worry about you hanging on a wire and, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, thanks for your time today and joining Justine and I. We really Thank appreciate you. it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I look forward to uh, seeing you guys in person soon, hopefully. Yes, that would be great. So. But uh, thanks again, Nick. Take thank care. Thank you. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bruce and I want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Which Way is Catering with Justine and Bruce. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can email us at whichwayiscatering at gmail.com or visit us at varietyattractions.com. A big thank you to our sponsors, Brannigan Inc. and Spectrum Weather Insurance. Which way is catering with Justine and Bruce? Served up by Variety Attractions, celebrating 60 years of entertainment excellence. That's fabulous.